time I, I spoke, I don't know, it was six weeks ago, something like that, and the Lord led me to, uh, to give a message um, that I called The Road to Jericho, which uh, really talked about the, the real meaning behind the Good Samaritan, for those of you that were here. Um, the fact is that we can do nothing, and we are, we are honestly, in, in that sense, in that way, um, we cannot help ourselves. We cannot climb out. I, I read um, Charles Spurgeon this week, and he said, as soon as the dead, by their own will, can rise up out of their own graves, then we can say we have something to do with our salvation. Does not happen. And after that, after that message, if you, if you haven't heard it, you can go back and, and listen to it. I'm sure it's online or something. Um, there is a companion message that I, um, that I generally do back to back with those. And as soon as I was done, I thought to myself, ah, God, it, I wish I could give that other one. Well, here I am, <laughs> giving the other one. This, uh, I entitled the, the Road to Faith. There is nothing in the universe that is more important than our faith in God. We heard about hope last week, which I love, uh, and, and um, the idea of, of the hope that, that God promises to us. But we have to grab hold of that, that hope through faith. Nothing, nothing is more important in this universe. And I could go on and on and on and on about, about faith and give you example after example after example, but I'm gonna let the Bible talk to us about it. When it comes to faith, it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we live by faith, not by sight. James 1, 3 says, testing your faith provides perseverance. Galatians 3, 26 says, you are children of God through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. We have been justified by faith, according to Romans 5, 1. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse three, it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to place which, which he was to receive for an inheritance. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. By faith, even Sarah herself conceived. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus to the sons of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not 
Paris along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in, in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Faith is a pretty important thing in our lives. Nothing is more important in the universe for us to come to the grace of God in order to live it out in abundance. And Hebrews 11.6 is perhaps the most important. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It says in Romans 12, 3, that God allots to each of us a measure of faith. God gives us, he, he calls us through his Holy Spirit and he gives us the faith at that moment to believe. He then allots to each of us a measure of faith. Each of us is given a, a shot glass of faith with which to operate. But if faith is so important, how do we get more faith? If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the ocean and it will be done. Holy buckets. If I'm given a measure of faith and it's not as big as a mustard seed, Lord, at least help me get there. At least, at least let's work towards the mustard seed stage of faith. Well, luckily, God gives us exactly the way in which to do this. This is a, a, a verse a lot like the Good Samaritan that, that I think has been misinterpreted, has been looked at from, in, in the wrong way, from the wrong direction again, again, and again. And I think more than anything, has just been skipped over. Turn to Romans 10, 17. If you want to know how to gain more faith, Romans 10, 17 tells us. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes, we gain it from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, every time that I have I have heard that verse. It, it just, it's, it, it seems to be brushed over so quickly. And generally it goes something like, so faith comes from hearing the word of God. So if you hear the word of God, you'll get faith. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say faith comes from hearing the word of God. It says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So one day I was, I was reading through this 
And, and I came across this, this verse. I was reading through, through Romans chapter 10. And I noticed something that I, have, that I had never seen before. It's like the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, read this all again. Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Then verse 18, it goes on to say, but I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have, but they didn't believe. So I said to myself, okay, if faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Yet in the next verse, it says they heard, but they didn't believe. So there's something that doesn't mesh here with me. There's something going on here. So um, uh, some of you probably know that um, I, was a, I was a debater all through high school and into college, and I coached high school debate uh, for 10 years. And one of the things uh, that, you, that you do in debate is you get a resolution that that is resolved, you know, some, some particular statement that you're supposed to debate. This is going to be our topic, our resolution for the time. And the first thing that we do with the debate resolution is we define the terms of the resolution. So we have to know that we're all debating on the same thing. If, if it says something about uh, regulation of firearms, we have to define what regulation even means and what firearms even mean. Because if we don't, then, then nobody knows what anybody's talking about. Then we can get in there and, and I may be talking about one type of regulation, they may, they may be talking about another, and, and we're, we're, we're missing each other um, in the debate. So the idea of defining the terms, and for me in my, in my study of of the Bible, nothing is more important to me than defining the terms, which is why I go so slowly and, and why I can take a verse and preach on it for the rest of the day. Because you can tear it apart, every single, every single piece of it. So when de defining the terms, we have to look at each one of these things to figure out what this really means. So the first term, of course, is faith. And Hebrews chapter 11, again, gives us the perfect definition of faith if we wanna know um, what faith is. And I took my mark out. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. That's pretty clear. They, the, the Bible gives us the, the perfect, clear definition of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So we know that that's what we need to to walk out our Christian life, to do the things that we need to do. And we know what that is. The next word is that we need to look at is the word, word. Now, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try for the sake of time to hold myself back on this because this is another, um, this is, 
this is a, a tough bunny trail for me to stay off of uh, because this is something that I could, I could pre- and I have actually preached on for hours. This is one of the most important, I, I think, and, and overlooked terms in the scripture. And that is the word, word. There are essentially two main definitions that you're going to find throughout the scripture when it says word. The first one is the word logos. This is a word that was often used by um, Aristotle. Aristotle's rules of rhetoric. Ethos, pathos, logos. Uh, Emotion, ethics, logic, logos. When, When the Greeks first invented this word, about 150 years before Aristotle, it was understood as reason or logic. And that's the way Aristotle used it was in the terms of logic. Over the 800 years after that, between Aristotle and Christ, it really became much more of a, of a base word, a root word, um, simply meaning written down stuff. So this is the word that is used in John 1.1. When John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Christ, and the word was Christ, it was using this word, logos. So interesting, again, I'll I'll try to stay off these bunny trails, but this really is interesting to me. Um, John 1, when it says in the beginning was the word, and the word was, was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him and not anything that was made was made without him. In him was life and life was the light of men and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. Anybody who was Jewish at that time totally tracked with that. They were all like, oh yeah, okay, absolutely. Because when you use the word logos or talked about the word, the, the, the Jewish people understand that that's talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And, and literally, the, the, the scholars and the sages would say that the entire universe was created by the Torah. That the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the, 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 the blessed Torah, was the creator of everything. So John, of course, knew this when he wrote this book, he started it with this whole idea and they're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. And then in verse 17, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And that's where they said, whoa, wait a second. So this word, um, this word logos was in that John 1.1. 1, 1. It also is, the, is the, the, the word logos in Hebrews 4.12 where it says the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. That word, word, is the word logos. Thank God. The word of God, the written physical word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. That excites me right there. I could stop right there and say, go out and give them, but, um, but I won't. The... The other translation of that word, word, is the word rhema. 
That word rhema is a personal word. It's me speaking to you. If I said to Lyle, hey, Lyle, I like that shirt. I do actually like that shirt. That's cool. <laughs> that is a rhema. That is a, that is a word from me to Lyle. It's not a word for everybody. It's not a, it's not a general word. It's not, it's not a, a, a scripture that says here, go back to verse 17 and 18. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed, they have. Those two words, heard, are different words. They've got to be different words. <laughs> because one leads you to faith and one does not. The, the word in verse 18 is the word akuo. It's a Greek word, akuo, which essentially means sound waves hitting your ears. And the word, the Greek word in, in verse 17 is the word akawe. Akawe has a thousand definitions. They use it in so many different ways, in so many places. I went through, through, through every reference to it. There's about 50 of them. And it's used over and over and over in, in completely different ways. All things that are related to, to hearing. But it's hard to nail down. So you have to take a step back and say, what is it that Paul meant from this word hearing? We know what faith is from Hebrews 11.1. 1. And we know that the word word is rhema, the word, every word that proceeds to us from the mouth of God. So what did he mean by this word hearing? The first clue I got was in, in looking at this, at this root word, akaway, and saying, where else do I find this? Where else do we find this in the word? How is this connected? And the first thing I found was that akaway is actually the root in the word hupakaway, which is the word for obedience in the Greek. So you take that combined with the fact that Paul was a Hebrew scholar. As a member of the Sanhedrin, he, he probably had the, mem the, the Torah memorized. And from this context and the background of Paul, there's only one way in which he would have defined this word, and that is the Hebrew word, Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Hear, O Israel. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The word Shema is not akuo. The word Shema is not sound hitting your eardrums. Hearing and acting were the same to the followers of the Torah. There was no difference between hearing and acting. Hear, 
O Israel. When they, when they talked about the Shema, it was, it was like, it was like when, your, when your mother says to you, especially if she uses your full name, do you hear me? She is not saying to you, are these sound waves hitting your eardrums? She is saying to you, are you going to do what I'm saying? Do you hear me? That is a call to action. It is not a question about whether or not your ears are working. She wants action. Shema. That's the shamam. I just invented a new Yiddish word, shamam. This was utterly and completely ingrained in Paul. To be a member of the Sanhedrin, he had studied for a long, long time. And if we go back to, to the, the message that I gave on the, on the Samaritan, my my suggestion was that the man that, that asked Jesus the question, who is my neighbor, could have been Paul, Saul at that time. And Jesus said to him, what does the scripture says? And he rattled off the Shema right off the top of his head because everybody knew it. That is exactly what Paul was talking about. Literally, the word Shema is defined by four words. Hear, heed, understand, and obey. When someone said Shema, they understood it. Those four things. Hear, heed, understand, and obey. That was the meaning of Shema. To sum it up, I would say respond. That is what Paul was talking about in Hebrews 10, 17. So let's read it again. Faith comes by responding and responding comes from the personal word of Christ. That changes things. That's not about putting the, 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 the Bible on loop and gaining faith. This is about Shema. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, giving us an opportunity to respond. And if we do, God gives us the faith to carry out what he has spoken. And that faith is added to our measure. That's the beautiful thing about faith. I was talking with someone the other day and we were, we were discussing this thing and, and he said, you know, it's kind of like people say, well, I don't know if I'll be able to stand up during, you know, during persecution, but God gives us the strength to in, endure those things. And I said, sort of like that, but not really. Because during those times when things are on the line, God will give you the strength to, to accomplish that and then you walk on. And then the next time, God will give you strength again. 
The beautiful thing about faith is that faith is added measure upon measure upon measure upon measure. If you are faithful in the little things, he will make you faithful in the big things. How am I going to be faithful in the big things if the little things don't add up? How many push-ups do I need to do before I look like Lyle? <laughs> lots and lots. Lyle didn't do 20 push-ups and then wait five years and do 20 more. That's the facts. Faith adds up. It's a beautiful thing. So to give you a couple of examples from my, from my own life, and this is a story I, I, I've told before too. Um, and it was, this was kind of when I started to sort of dig into this whole thing. So it was like perfect timing, perfect place. Um, I was in a coffee shop in, in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I, I remember it so clearly because I walked into this coffee shop and I had a Sports Illustrated and Cordell Stewart was on the cover. And I was like, man, I wanna read this article. That's how, if any of you remember Cordell Stewart, that's how long ago this was. So I sit down in the coffee shop with my Sports Illustrated. There's one other guy in the coffee shop across the shop. And I sat down and the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to go talk to that guy. And I thought to myself, really? Can I just drink my coffee and read my little article? I really have to get out of and know this dude. I don't know anything. And I sat there wrestling back and forth for a little while. And finally I said, okay, I'll do it. And I got out of my seat. And as soon as I got up, and I, it's so tangible to me. As soon as I got up, there was no doubt. I would have climbed over a mountain to get to that guy. Because as soon as I got out of my seat, God gave me the faith to walk over there and to carry it out. And you know what? I still have that down somewhere. That, that amount of faith was measured out to me and put into my cup and it hasn't gone away. And if I hadn't gotten up and responded, I would not have that faith. And I walked over and I sat down with this guy and I said, this is gonna sound really weird, but God just told me that I needed to come over here and talk to you. And I don't know if I got something to say to you or you got something to say to me, but there it is. And he proceeded to tell me that he was passing through. And for some reason, he ended up at this coffee shop, which is nowhere near the freeway. It's right in the middle of downtown Bismarck. So you, I mean, you have to drive off the freeway, go through town and somehow find this coffee shop, which is bizarre. I mean, if I didn't serve the God of the universe, that would be bizarre. Somehow he ended up at this coffee shop and he told me that he had been having problems with all kinds of stuff. Problems in his job, 
problems in his marriage, problems with his kids, all kinds of stuff. And one day he got into his car and he just drove away. And I said, where are you going? And he said, I don't know. And we talked for a while and he said, I should go back home, shouldn't I? I said, yep, you should. And he got in his car and he went back. I, <laughs> there's, there's nothing else. There's, 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 there's no other explanation. There's nothing else there. But that God put me in the right place with that guy who was, in, who was bizarrely also in the right place. God spoke to me. I didn't want to do it. But he gave me the faith to carry it out. Amen. That, that was something that, that, that I saw essentially to the end. I never heard from the guy again. Um, but, I, but I know he got in his car and he drove home back to Chicago. And then there was a, a, another time where I was, I was in LA. I was on Hollywood Boulevard uh, in LA, just, I don't know, watching the weirdos. Um, and on the corner, there was a guy in a wheelchair. Um, and he was, he was just sitting there. He didn't have a sign. He wasn't big and he was he was just sitting there in this wheelchair I found out after going over to him that he couldn't speak he was I I don't know exactly what the what the issue was but he, he couldn't speak he could make noise but he couldn't speak and I I looked he was down the block and I looked over and I saw him and God spoke to me and said take whatever money is in your wallet and give it to that guy and at that point I was like well, that's not a problem because I never have any money in my wallet. <laughs> and I walked over there and I opened up my wallet and I had $55, I had a $50 bill and a $5 bill in my wallet. And I'm like, oh, you have got to be kidding. And for a moment, I thought to myself, I could just give him the five. Nobody's going to know except the God of the universe. <laughs> Other than that, other than him and me, nobody is going to know. And I took it all out of my wallet and I said, God told me to give this to you. And I, and I gave it to him and I put it in his hands and he immediately just started crying. And he couldn't talk. I don't know what he was trying to say. I don't know what that meant to him. I don't know anything other than God said, give the money to this guy. And I, and I did. And I have no idea what happened from there. I have no idea what that meant. I've, I, 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 I have no clue. But, but I do have the faith to know that God did his work there. God did his work through my obedience. And not only did God do his work, but God gave me something, a little bit more faith to say next time that happens, there's not gonna be a question. Next time God speaks to me, I'm moving because I already have the faith to do it. He's already given it to me. It's mine. I've already done my 10,000 push-ups. Bam. There we go. 
And here is, I think, a really good, very similar situation uh, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 9. In verse 10, it says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man named from, from a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, and he was and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. That is the rhema word of God. Holy buckets. It doesn't get more specific than that. Ananias, yeah, here I am. Here are your orders. Luckily, this is both. <laughs> this is, it was, as it, it was rhema to him, but it's logos to us. So God gets a double whammy there. He's good at that. But Ananias answered, I feel Ananias at this point. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. The rhema word of God comes to this guy and says, Ananias, and Ananias knows it's God because God, because Ananias answers him and says, yep, here I am. God says, go to this guy from Tarsus called Saul and Ananias is like, are you crazy? I can't go to this guy. He's a nut and he's killing Christians and he's got authority. This is no, this is not going to happen. And then God said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed. And I believe with everything in me that God was serious enough to talk to him again. He says, go to this dude Ananias says, no chance. And God, rather than saying, okay, next, Bob, you, you ready? Are we going to go? You need to go. He, he talks to Ananias again. He says, Ananias, I already told Saul you're coming. And at that point, Ananias is still thinking in his head, this is craziness. I'm not going to Saul. He's going to kill me. But Ananias did it anyway. Ananias got up and he departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, before that point at which Ananias got up and said, okay, all he was thinking in his head is, isn't that the dude that stood by while Stephen got stoned to death? And as soon as he got out of his seat and said, okay, God said, all right, here you go. 
Here's your faith. Here is your measure of faith. For you have heard in the, in the Shema sense, you have heard, you have heeded, you have acted, you've obeyed. So here you go. Now I'm going to give you this to carry it, to, to, to carry this whole thing out. And holy smokes, you think about, I, 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 wish, I wish I knew the rest of Ananias' life because imagine the faith that God had to give him to walk into Saul, to lay hands on him and, and for Saul to regain his sight. That's some serious stuff. And that faith did not run out. It did not run out. James, which we've been studying, 2.17, makes it pretty clear to us that even so, faith without works is dead. That word dead is the Greek word necros, corpse, dead, not mostly dead, all the way dead, dead. I would say if Paul was writing this rather than James, he would have said, faith without works is non-existent. Because one comes from the other. I got, got about another hour and a half I could go. <laughs> Nothing in this universe, let me say it again, nothing in this universe is more important than faith. If you doubt that, read through Hebrews chapter 11 and tell me. And the beautiful thing about Hebrews chapter 11 is you read through that whole list of people all the way through. Because, you know, when they were talking about the, the logos, the word of God, they weren't talking about this. They were writing this. <laughs> the logos of God was the book before this book because that's all they had. And he goes through this list of all of these greats of the faith from Abraham and and David and Joseph and Noah and all these people and you know what they didn't have? They were not the tabernacles of the Holy Spirit of the God of the universe like we are. If we have no excuse, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Those great men and women of faith in the Old Testament did not. They had to walk on without that, but we do. The rhema word of God comes via the Holy Spirit. The rhema word of God had to come to them as a voice. There was no other way. <laughs> and when we respond... God will strengthen our faith. 
he will give us more. We can walk on according to his will, according to his word. And be pleasing in his sight. How awesome is that? (laughs) How awesome is that? God does it again. The whole thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day, for your word, both your written word and your word to our hearts. God, and I I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to every single one of us right now. Everybody in this building, everybody online, everybody who listens to this 10 years from now. Doesn't matter. Because God doesn't change and his word doesn't change. And if you're listening to this 10 years from now, it's still true. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that you do not change. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your strength. God, I thank you that you do the work. That you give us the words. That you give us the faith. That you give us the end goal. And that all we have to do is respond. Father, I pray that you would just write that upon our hearts that you would burn that in our minds, in our spirits, in our wills, God, to respond to your voice. I just ask for your blessings over Pastor Sean, over his family, over everyone in this church, everyone listening to my voice. In Jesus' name. Amen.